Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. But not to me, because it's not my birthday. It's not your birthday. Happy birthday, my love, which is not you, Pastor PJ, to be clear. Yeah. My love is a reference to my wife. Yes. I've only got one. Yes. And you're not her. Right. But also, I have a little love who's named Phoebe. That's my baby girl. She was born on the same day. She's a year old today. Happy birthday, my love, my wife, and my little love, Phoebe. Awesome. Phoebe. Why, Why the name Phoebe? Um, New Testament. We have a New okay. Testament theme for the girls, Old Testament theme for the guys. And some of you guys have asked before, are we done having kids? We've got five in the tank. I, I think we're done. And I guess that's the most honest answer we can give because we haven't done anything permanent to stop the future having of kids. But it's not our plan. Our plan is to stay at five. Okay. Awesome. I mean, as far as it goes today. Great. That's great. We're, we're done. We're done. We've got five. We're done. We feel like our yeah, quiver's full. but maybe the Lord has other plans. New, new it would be a God thing one. Hey, and, and that's happened before. It has happened. It before. has happened. And we'll rejoice in that if it does. But if not, we're okay with that. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, did you buy her some mustard flavored Skittles for her birthday? No, I got her the Harry Potter flavored jelly beans. Harry Potter flavored? Yeah, yeah. They well, the Harry, like Potter Harry Potter theme. Yeah. You, you, it's, it's gross. Yeah. It tastes like the flesh and blood. It's guys. weird. Yeah. No, rotten egg, stinky socks. Lawn clippings. Actually, that one sounds kind of refreshing. Probably of all of them, that's the one that I'd go with. I don't know, man. They got lime and buttered popcorn. Did you ever have a wheatgrass shot at Jamba Juice? I did. Yeah. I did. And yeah. I just, it tastes like grass. It does. That's why they call it wheatgrass. Right. It's supposed taste to be super healthy for you though. Yeah. I, you know, dogs, when they eat grass, they just end up vomiting. And I think that's the intention. You're supposed to drink <laughs> it and they make you throw up and you kind of clean the palate. Well, I think those mustard flavored Skittles would do the same thing, man. I think if I ate those, that would be... Not pleasant. Not a mustard fan? No. Well, I am, but honey not mustard? in candy. Not in candy. Like candy's its thing. Honey mustard though? No. That combination doesn't do it for you? Nope. Not oh, in candy. Dude, you're missing out. Honey mustard? No. Isn't that what Chick-fil-A does? They take like a honey mustard and barbecue and put it all together and make Chick-fil-A sauce? But not in candy. But like, I keep coming back to the same thing. Your you problem. just keep pretending I'm not saying this. <laughs> I'm just saying that in theory, you're not, you don't, you're not opposed to the sweet with the, with the salty sour. As a topping. I don't know, man. On chicken, on a spicy chicken sandwich, which is the only thing that you should get at Chick-fil-A. I'm going to think about this because I don't think that, I think you'd be okay with it. I really wouldn't. I don't know. You would be somewhere, somewhere down the line. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to think about it. I bet there's like a country food that's candy-esque with a mustardy, sugary thing to it. I don't think so. (laughs) I don't think so. I don't know, man. This is Texas. I bet there's someone out there. There's got to be. No. All right. Anyways, hey, if you've tried the mustard flavored Skittles, we'd love to know. Um, by the way, our our our, interact, our listeners interact with us. We got corrected on social media again today because you, Pastor Rod, had mentioned that Sandra Bullock was in some movie, Aaron Brockovich. <laughs> and somebody on Twitter was like, nope, it wasn't Aaron Brockovich. <laughs> Who was that? Huh? Who was it then? It Who? was uh, Julia Roberts oh, was what Julia was, uh, was announced. <laughs> So that just shows you we're not the best at pop culture references. Yeah, don't ask us about movies. That's true. I mean, we're, it's, it's not our thing. It's not. It's not our thing. But here, here's the thing. Let me just say this one thing before you move on. 
If you want to send Pastor PJ some honey mustard Skittles, you can send that to 110 South Preston Road, Suite 30, Prosper, Texas, whatever the zip code is. Listen, I would try them. I would try them. On air. I would try them on air. On air live. Yes. With a real response. Yes. Okay, there you go. Whoever's out there who wants to do this. Everyone wants to hear. They want to hear you chewing. No, they would have to hear you chewing one of those things. Yeah, well. And then your vocal expressions have to be so good that they could actually like, oh, I visualize Pastor PJ responding that way. Yeah. So feel free to do that if you want to. And uh, if you'd rather give your money to something else, more profitable, maybe send a donation to the church. No, man, that could be its own podcast. I don't think Pastor so. PJ eats things. Yeah. Well, let's get into the Psalms. Okay. Psalm 53, 54, and 55. And uh, that's our reading for the day today. And uh, we open up with a, a Psalm of David. And it's according to the Mah- Mahalath, the, which, I mean, David clearly you. went to Hawaii because it oh, seems like mahalo. this is Mahalo, Mahalath. Yes. Yeah. So I see that uh, land bridges, ice ages, things like that. He probably mm. went to Hawaii and was influenced there. And so if you've ever, have you ever seen that music video with it? Was it is, was that the guy's name? I Z. Oh yeah. The big guy playing the ukulele singing uh-huh. somewhere over the rainbow. Yes. Yeah. I, I have fun fact. I sang that at a wedding. Did you? I did years ago. That is that exact version. No ukulele, but I did at the wedding. Well, I think that's the tune here. So Pastor Rada, if you could sing Psalm 53 in the tune of somewhere over the rainbow, starting with the fool says in his heart, there is no God. That'd be great. <laughs> the fool <laughs> says there is no God. <laughs> I don't think. Yeah, never mind. I take it all back. I take it all back. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There's Let no, me get uh, my guitar. This isn't a fair fight here. I need yeah. my guitar to help me out. That's fair. But uh, yeah, again, just a reminder, we don't know what so many of these superscriptions in the Psalms really relate to. It's some tune that we don't, we don't have today anymore. But they knew. They knew, right. And that's what's important. Dude, a thousand years from now, if we still have the technological advancements that we do, like people in a thousand years will know the tunes. They'll be able to say, oh yeah, back in 2023, they were listening to this song. Oh, I thought you meant like somehow we were going to go back in time and be able to find out what, no. what this tune was. I was well, like, I mean, I, I suppose so though. I mean, in the future, when we, when we die and we go to heaven, I don't see why there wouldn't be some way for us to access what was once lost knowledge because we'll, we'll have we'll access be able to, to believers. King David, right? right? We'll be able to say, hey, what was this? Yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. I just think it's going to be cool. A thousand years from now, we're going to have it preserved in some form of tech. Right. Well, Psalm 53 repeats some things that we've already seen earlier in the Psalms, and it's uh, a, a theme that Paul picks up in Romans chapter 3. It's something that we've talked about before, and that is the the doctrine of what we call total depravity. When it says in verse 3, they've all fallen away, they've become corrupt together. Uh, there's no one who does good, verse 1. Uh, again, back in verse 3, there's no one who does good, not even one, right? It, it, Paul picks up on this, quotes it in Romans chapter 3. It forms the backbone of what we call the doctrine of total total depravity, which we've talked about before, but what what it means is that not that everyone is as depraved as they possibly could be, right? Right, Because there's a lot of good people out there. Right. And there's a lot of really wicked and really evil people out there. And most people listening to this would probably put themselves on the good side of the scale over the evil side of the scale. Pretty but much. what it means is we inherently apart from Christ have nothing in it, nothing good within us to be able to bring to the table when it comes to things like our justification before God. Mm-hmm. Um, we are completely in, in totally depraved in the sense of we're saturated with depravity. Totally incapable. Right. We are totally incapable. We cannot come towards God. We cannot move towards God because no dead. one does good, not even one. Right. 
Um, and so that's why it has to be an act of God that delivers us out of that situation. And I, I think there's elements of that here in verse six, when David's response is, oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. There, there's a, a prayer for military and political deliverance here in, in a sense, yes, but it's also pointing towards probably David speaking better than he knew towards the ultimate deliverance that would come out of Zion. That would be the answer to our depravity, that there is no one who does good, not even one. And that is that Christ would come forth from there. And so that's our, our ultimate hope there in Psalm 53. Amen. Why is Psalm 53 and Psalm 14 basically the same? Well, the editors thought this was worth carrying over. So it was slightly modified, perhaps used for a different context altogether. But Psalm 53, Psalm 14, basically a copy and paste. And as I told my kids recently, God doesn't repeat himself for no reason. There's right. good reasons, and our job is to determine what some of those reasons are. But just know, if this sounds really, really familiar, like you've read it before, it's because you have right. not too long ago. Right, right. Well, Psalm 54, we have another superscription that's helpful here. It's uh, when the Ziphites went and told Saul, is not David hiding among us? Ziphites. The Ziphites were pretty scummy. You, know, you would expect them to kind of, I don't know, help David to show some mercy. Then again, I was thinking about this as I read the superscription. I'm thinking, you know what? If I were the Ziphites, I might want to side with the king too because that's my obligation. I don't know, David. I mean, my, my obligation is to the king. Maybe they weren't familiar with all that was said about David, that he would be the actual new king. So I don't know. I'm willing to give them the benefit of a doubt. Maybe that's the wrong thing. Yeah. One of the cool things about these Psalms, though, is it gives us a, a, a peek behind the curtain and gives us more of David's thought process than we have recorded for us in narrative style in that's true, yeah. uh, the books of, of First and Second Samuel. For instance, here, I mean, when you go back to the account in Samuel, it, it talks about, you know, David went to the Lord and said, hey, are, are they going to turn me over? And he hears back from God, yeah, yep. they're going to turn you over if you stay there. And so David flees. But here we get a picture of what that looked like when he went to the Lord. Because here it's him pleading, God, save me, deliver me, hear my prayer, give ear to the words of my mouth. Strangers, these Ziphites, they've risen up against me. These ruthless men, they seek my life. And so you see more color than just the black and white that we get in the narrative depiction of what's going on in David's life in the the books of First and Second Samuel. How do we understand the fact that, and this is related to the psalm, although this is clearly not what we're reading, uh, God tells David that they would give him over if he stayed there. Is there an alternate reality that we don't know about? How does this work in the concept of thinking about God's total sovereignty over all human affairs and yet saying, well, if you stay there, David, they would give you over. That would happen if you stayed, but you should go. Yeah, I think we're dealing with God who knows all things, right? He is omniscient. So does he know what would happen if David were to stay there? Yes, he does. And that's what he does. He answers David and says, yeah, if you stay, this is what's going to happen. But I would argue that that was never a, a viable scenario that that would ever take place because God's sovereign ordination was that David would not be turned over to Saul, that David would not die, that David had a plan that God had laid out a, a path, a course that David was going to run, so to speak, to borrow from the writer of Hebrews for the duration of his life, including seeing David become the king. And so there was never a viable, true, real scenario in which David would have been turned over by the Ziphites. But God being omniscient knew the heart of the Ziphites was to betray David. And so as such, and, and the fact is that they do go to Saul and they do say to Saul, hey, David is among us. Saul gets there. David's gone at that point. And so in a sense, they, they do turn him over. It's just David has fled because God warned him to say, you need to get out of here because this is what the Ziphites will do to you if you stay. So I 
I, I think it's a, a an omniscience thing with God there, but I, do I think that this there was a scenario in which this could have happened and, and David somehow controlled his fate? No, I don't think David controlled his fate. I think God was leading David through this whole thing. Oh, clearly God is the one leading it. I'm just curious at how the pieces fit together, but that was helpful. Okay. Psalm 55. Psalm 55 is one of my favorites. Um, Psalm that has spoken to me in just difficult times in my own life and, uh, and specifically verse 22 here that we'll get to, but as it says there, it's a mascal this time of David. Again, that's a, a, a some sort of musical term. We don't have the specific situations, though there were many times that David was suffering in his life. And that's what this psalm is all about. It's a time of intense suffering for the songwriter. He describes himself as being restless in mm. verse two. Uh, people are dropping trouble upon him in verse three. That's an interesting word picture there of just the weight of of uh, of distress coming upon him. Verse four, my heart is in anguish. The terrors of death have fallen on me. Fear and trembling come upon me. Horror overwhelms me. David's in a tough and tight spot there. We learn about why as he goes down there in verse 13, he says that it's not just this adversary, this nameless, faceless, you know, king of some foreign nation that has come up against him, but it's his own companion, my familiar friend. This is a, a word there in the original in the Hebrew that uh, even suggests somebody in his own family, which is why this could be Absalom when Absalom betrayed David, um, or this could just be somebody close by who went with Absalom at, at some time, or somebody who was trying to betray him to Saul, maybe if this is earlier in David's life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is someone David trusted. We used to take sweet counsel together, verse 14, within God's house when we walked in the throng. And so he's, he's in a situation where he's been betrayed, backstabbed in the worst possible way. And it doesn't take living life for very long before people experience this. I'm sure everyone could tell a story of when they felt like they've been betrayed by someone, maybe not to this degree, but certainly just feeling the, the, the weight of that as, as David felt the weight of that here. And David turned to God in verse 16. I called to God that the Lord would save me. Um, he again reiterates in verse 20, my companion stretched out his hand against me. But what I want to highlight here is David's confidence in verse 22. And I love this because it's something that he preached to himself and it's something that we can do as well. When he says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. What an amazing truth and promise and reality that is for us to hold on to. Our burden, our anxiety, our fear, our distress. We can bring that to God. We can cast that before him and he will sustain us. It's This is the Old Testament version of Philippians 4, right? When Paul says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. And the, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our, our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's a picture of what this sustaining process looks like here. And I, I love the description that, that Paul gives of it in Philippians 4 because he says it's the peace that surpasses understanding. So it's not a peace that comes because all of a sudden our circumstances get better. It's not God sustaining us by just removing all of the suffering here in Psalm 55. Mm. But it is that he's at work to hold us up, which is what that word means to sustain. He's holding us up and keeping us from falling. Even when, like Paul would say in Philippians four, it doesn't seem to make sense. It's a piece that surpasses that sense of understanding. I really related to verse six. He says, Oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly Mm -hmm. away and be at rest. I think one of my temptations when I'm going through a difficult time is I would love to just say, I don't want to be here anymore. Right. I want to go somewhere else, be someone else, adopt a new identity and be in the witness protection program, start a whole <laughs> new life. 
And I think the temptation that we all have, perhaps, maybe David is connecting with you here, is that we often desire to flee a situation entirely, but God's plans are often aimed to see us through the situation mm. instead of to flee from them. So to your point, Pastor PJ, as we as we look at God's sustaining grace, it's, it's often that sustaining grace that seeks to take us through the valley of the shadow of death and through the terror of the night instead of altogether removing us from it. That's really his plan and purpose, and it's often not to remove us. Right. Right. Even though that's, yeah, that is our heart. We would love to be freed from that and removed from that circumstance. Well, Acts chapter 27, uh, speaking of storms of life, Paul's in a storm at sea. 27, in 26 Acts to 44. chapter 27, right? Yeah. So uh, as we get into our, our New Testament reading, we left off yesterday where Paul was on the boat and things were not going well and Yet there was this promise that God had made to Saul back or Paul back in, in Acts 23, 11, saying, hey, you're going to go to Rome. Um, and so that had been on Paul's mind. He knew that it was confirmed for him later, as we saw recently. And, and yet here they are and they're in this storm. And he had just said to the men on the boat, take heart for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told that I will go to Rome. So as the, the story progresses, he says there in verse 26, hey, but, but it's going to get bad before it gets better. We're going we're gonna to crash. We're going to hit the, the land. We're going to run aground. And, uh, and yet everyone's going to be spared. 14th night comes. Um, they're being driven. Things are going bad. They're dropping anchors. They're cutting bait. They are throwing things overboard everywhere they can. And yet Paul says uh, to, to the uh, centur- centurion there in verse 31, he says, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. They're, they're ready to bail. They're, they want to jump. They want to go overboard and just take their chances on whatever they can, like Jack and Rose floating in the, the ocean, right? <laughs> there was plenty of space for him. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree. I've heard arguments as to why not and the physics and the buoyancy, of, but buoyancy, but I don't buy it. I think there was room. Me neither. But Paul says, hey, you got to stay here because God's plan is for us to run aground, right? And, uh, and so he uh, um, convinces them to cut the, the safety boat away from the, the boat, which think about Paul. Paul must have been quite the rhetorician to, to be able to, to convince these men, give up your, your lifeboat and stay here. Otherwise, you're dead. Well, that's interesting that you say that because when I read that, I was thinking, did he really intend for them to do that? Because it says here, you have to stay in the ship. Otherwise, you can't be saved. He doesn't say, hey, cut away the, the, the boat. They might have been able to use that to get to the shore. Totally. Granted. And yet they hear him and that's what they go and do. Yeah. I, so, I was like, hey guys, no. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, but they were convinced enough by him that they were going to make it through. Even the, and these are seasoned sailors on here. Yeah. Such they're that desperate. they're, they're willing to go. Okay, fine. We'll, uh, we'll hold fast. Well, day begins to dawn and Paul stands up and says, Hey, look, eat quit starving yourselves. It's been a while. We don't need to worry about rations anymore. We're about to run aground. This is about to come to an end. You need to take some, some food so that you're strong enough for what is coming in front of you. The, the ship runs aground as it would happen. And, uh, initially everybody's plan is the soldier's plan in verse 42 was to, to kill all the prisoners on board and then just make their way to, to shore. So they don't have to worry about, keep a track of them because if they lost the prisoners, their lives would be at risk. And so there's a reason why they would want to do that. And yet again, Paul steps up and uh, the centurion that Paul had kind of been bending his ear steps up and says, Hey, let's not do this. He convinces them to follow Paul's plan. And, uh, and they are ultimately in verse 44 brought safely to, to land. Incredible. I think, I think one of the things that's cool about this scenario is that God promises to deliver them. God promised to do that. And yet 
in the same breath, in the same vein, Paul's like, here, you got to do this. You can't do that. He's directing traffic, even though he knows ultimately God's the one ordaining all these steps, but he doesn't see a, he doesn't see any contrast between God saying this is going to happen and him saying, I better make sure that we do right. what's responsible, right? Human responsibility and, or man's supposed free will, man's uh, responsible and real choices matter in the purview of God's ordaining of all things. So, uh, don't look down on your efforts. We, we often make fun of the phrase, and, and maybe this is not make fun of, we call it out. Let go and let God. As though God is somehow just going to prevail upon you. Lay on the floor and God's going to roll you over to work. Right. God's going to roll you to the gym so that you can take care of your body. Some people might say, well, God already knows how long I'm going to live. Why work out? Why eat healthier? Why why read my Bible if you know God's just going to do what God's going to do anyway? These are such awful and juvenile excuses. Man, don't, don't fall into that trap. Paul doesn't see a problem with taking responsibility, even though he knows God's the one who's going to ensure that they get to land safely. So if Paul doesn't see a problem, you shouldn't, shouldn't see a problem either. Say that 10 times fast. Uh, you shouldn't see a problem either. Make sure that you take responsibility for the life that God has given you, trusting that he's going to accomplish all things for his good purposes. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking about that phrase. You were talking about that, that let go and let God phrase. Yeah, it's, it's not a biblical concept. And even as you're thinking about your families out there, men, I mean, if you think about the family that you want to have someday mm-hmm. and you may think, well, God's, you know, God's promised and, and he's faithful. And I know that God desires those things as well. And, and we would say, yes, God desires for you to have a good and godly family, but he desires you to do the things necessary to begin to see that family reach those milestones and, and become that godly family. And, and if you're sitting there going, oh, well, I, I really wish we had family devotions. We just don't have family devotions, but maybe I'll wake up, you know, maybe someday we'll have family devotions. Maybe when the kids get older, we'll have family devotions. What's going to change? What's going to change, right? It's, it's, it's not going to be, you're gonna, not going to wake up and a switch isn't going to have flipped overnight. That's all of a sudden going to cause you to begin doing these things like an out-of-body experience. Mm-hmm. If you want to be more godly, then it requires you to start taking steps towards that end and towards that 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 goal or single listening to this. If you want to grow in your knowledge and understanding of the Lord, you, you've got to spend time in his word, right? And if you're thinking to yourself, well, yeah, I need to be better reading my Bible and I'm just not, nothing's going to change by you going to sleep tonight and just praying, God, make me a better Bible reader tomorrow. Mm. Unless you set your alarm and you get up 30 minutes earlier tomorrow and you get in the word. It's, it's God, yes, is God ordaining? A hundred percent, but are, are we at work in that process as well? Yeah, we are. Absolutely. Anyways, speaking of, we're going to be back again tomorrow morning. And so God willing, we pray. We're going to plan for it. We're trusting that. And so uh, we would hope that you would join us again for this. And we would hope that you would be in the word and not just listening to this podcast. This podcast, just to be clear, is not a substitute for your time in the word. It's supposed to be a companion to your time in the word. And so as you are uh, listening to this, make sure that you are diving into the word either beforehand or after and really seeking to, to, uh, to hear from God through his word uh, each and every day. And Lord willing, like Pastor Rod said, we will catch you again tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hasta mañana. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Thank you.